Well, hello, Valley Christian Church. It's great to see everybody today. I'm Stephen Francis filling in for Dr. Greg as we finish our series, Necessary Sins. If this is your first time being with us or you're the first time online, thank you for joining us if you are online. Uh, you may be wondering what exactly do I mean when I say necessary sins? Well, there are a lot of sins that many of us are on the same page about. Many of us believe that murder is a sin, that rape is a sin. But there's also some other sins that some of us believe are a little bit more acceptable and maybe even necessary in order for us to get through life. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, exposing those things and seeing what the Lord would have us to say about it. But before we get into today's subject, I want to ask a question to everybody in the room. By show of hands, have you ever been in a conversation before and somebody said to you, hey, do you know who you remind me of? And it was some type of movie character or celebrity. Has that happened to anybody in here? Anybody show by show of hands? Thank you for your honesty. Was anybody here, be honest, like offended when you heard who they said you looked like? Because you were like, what in the world are you talking about? I do not look like that person whatsoever. That has happened so many times in my life, and it happens with three specific people, all right? So the first person that I always get compared to is the rapper T.I. I don't know what about this man makes, me, makes people think I look like this guy. I don't, I don't see it whatsoever, but whatever. It's something that I get all the time. Another comparison that I get is Stilo Brim, who's a guy on a show called Ridiculousness on MTV. And I'll be honest, I can kind of see it. Like he might be my cousin. I'm not sure. But still, I don't think I really look like Stilo Brim, but we could pass for related. I'll give them that. But the number one person that I've been compared to most recently is Kevin Hart. And I don't really know why people think I look like Kevin Hart. It may just because we're both short and black. I don't know. <laughs> but I always get compared to Kevin Hart nowadays. And someone had to tell me, hey, listen, it's not that you look like these people. Sometimes it's just the way that you behave that kind of reminds us of that particular person, which makes sense. So I started thinking about that, and I started looking at people from that perspective and it made me realize that there's a lot of people, maybe even some people in here, that resemble a one specific person. And that is Dr. Bruce Banner. Now, many of you guys don't know who Dr. Bruce Banner is. Some of you guys do. I hear you chuckling already. Dr. Bruce Banner is not a real person. He's a character that's portrayed on screen. He's a scientist, and he's a really nice guy, but he has a particular issue in his life. And this particular issue in his life comes in handy when he is with a particular group of people known as the Avengers. So instead of me just kind of describing Dr. Bruce Banner, let's have some fun. Let's watch a clip of Bruce Banner and see exactly what his issue is. Check it out. Loki's going to keep this fight focused on us, and that's what we need. Without him, these things could run wild. We got Stark up top. He's going to need us to... So, this all seems horrible. I've seen worse. Sorry. No, we could use a little worse. Stark, we got him. Banner? Just like you said. Then tell him to suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. Uh, 
I, I don't see how that's a party. Dr. Banner. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. It's great for a movie, but many of us resemble Dr. Banner because not only are we often angry, but that anger can make a monster out of us in any moment. Today's message is made to help us understand why many of us are angry so often and how we, through the power of Jesus Christ, can live a little bit less of an angry life. And the message that I'm calling today, the madness of anger. Now, we've talked about a few things in this series, Necessary Sins. We've talked about lying. We've talked about gossip. We've talked about lust. But anger is probably the biggest subject we're covering because it's the one that's most justified in each and every one of our lives. There are some people in here that like to say, listen, if this person didn't do this or say this, I wouldn't be angry. There are some people that attribute anger to their upbringing or their culture. I'm angry because I'm Irish. I'm angry because of this area that I grew up in. There's even a lot of people that like to redefine anger. I used to have a friend in college that would say, listen, I'm not an angry person. I'm just a passionate person. And they look the same. But what I've realized with many of us that even though we have a lot of explanations to why we are often angry, it is still not an excuse for the way that we handle anger. And scripture gives us an indication of how anger is supposed to be used in our lives. If you're following along in the Valley app notes, the first thing that we need to know is that anger is a neutral emotion. Both scripture and science back this up. Anger is something that isn't significantly bad or good. It's just a natural neurological response that we have in our bodies. But we can use that anger to do great things, and we can also use it to do wrong things. There's a lot of people that have used anger for great reasons. This past weekend uh, in New York City and cities all over the world, Paris, Prague, uh, Cape Town, they did the A21 walk for freedom. I don't know if anybody here heard about that or even participated in it, but it was people from all over that participated in this um, nonviolent protest, giving awareness to people around the world that there are 27 million people right now that are slaves in human trafficking. And the reason why, we ha why they had this walk and the whole reason why the organization A21 was started was because of a woman named Christine Kane. Many of you guys have heard Christine Kane. She's an incredible Christian speaker. And she formed this organization because when she heard that there was over 26 million people that were slaves in human trafficking, she became angry. And she used that anger to bring about this organization to save people that were in that trap. 
Also, another person that used their anger for a good thing is Scott Harrison, the creator of Charity Water. Some of you guys have heard of Charity Water. Some of you guys have not. That's Scott Harrison right there. Scott Harrison went to Liberia in 2008 and realized that 80% of the deaths in that area were caused because they didn't have clean drinking water. 80%. And that made Scott Harrison angry. So he created this organization called Charity Water. And through that organization, not just Liberia, but six million people all over the world now have clean drinking water. And that came about because someone was angry. Another person that was angry that we are all aware of is Jesus. Can I be honest right now? One of the things that annoys me the most about depictions of Jesus on TV and in movies is they love to portray Jesus as this super happy, rolling in the flowers type individual person. But when I read the scriptures, I see Jesus as the OG. Jesus would show up to different towns with a crew of like 12 homies. Sometimes he had more people than that. There were the Pharisees and the Sadducees were like the other gangs of the time. And they'd be like, yo, Jesus, you ain't supposed to be healing on the Sabbath. And I see in my mind Jesus like clapping his hands. It's like, don't tell me what I can do on the Sabbath. See me in the afterlife. You don't want this problem. There's a passage of scripture, multiple passages of scripture. When Jesus walked into the temple and he saw that there were people that were selling and gambling different products. And Jesus got so mad, he left the temple, made a whip out of different cords, and started tearing the place apart. Have you ever stopped and thought about that? Like, how angry do you have to be to leave and make a whip? He made it. And I picture in my mind, Jesus is like, they think this is a game. Do you think I'm joking around? You think, that, you think I'm playing right now? <laughs> and, start, and he tore the place apart out of anger. But it was righteous and indignant anger. Jesus was ultimately angry at sin and death, which was the reason why he was here. His death on the cross and his resurrection wasn't just him expressing love towards us, but showing anger towards death and sin, which was keeping us separated from us and God and now giving us new life. All of that happened from anger. But the same way great things can come about from anger, we can also see that bad things can come of it too. Ephesians 4 verses 26 and 27 says this. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. The scripture here says you can be angry. Matter of fact, the scripture says being angry is a command. But don't allow yourself to fester in that anger. Otherwise, you give the opportunity for the devil to come into your life. Here's the thing. This word opportunity in verse 27 in the original language can be interchanged with the word room. The apostle Paul who wrote Ephesians here is saying, don't allow yourself to remain so angry that you allow the devil to reside in your heart. And this isn't the first time we see this type of language. In Genesis chapter 4, we see the story of Cain and Abel. And uh, in that story in Genesis 4, Cain and Abel, who were brothers, presented offerings to God. God blessed Abel's offering, but he cursed Cain's offering. And because of that, Cain became angry and downcast. And God says this to him, starting at verse 6. 
Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, and you must rule over it. Not only is God saying that sin is trying, sin and the enemy is trying to enter your heart, but he's trying to rule over your heart through anger. This is why scripture says that anger is a fire. It is dangerous and contagious. Now, here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there are multiple, there are over a dozen verses actually that says that anger is a fire. And even some verses in scripture will even switch out, interchange the word anger with fire. But we all know that fire can be used for great things. Fire gives heat to someone that's cold. It cooks the meal for the person that's hungry. It gives sight to somebody that cannot see. But fire, if mishandled by an individual, can burn themselves, can burn the people they care for, and can destroy a whole household. Proverbs also says this, that not only is anger a fire, but also the tongue is a fire. Which makes sense because many of the things that we say that are wrong many times came out of us when we were angry. Proverbs 18 says that life and death is also in the power of the tongue. And there's a lot of different interpretations of what that verse means. But if I can give you the most simplest definition of that, what it's saying is that the same tongue that says, I love you, the same tongue that says, I do in your marriage vows, is the same tongue that can disrespect and belittle your spouse and end up ruining your marriage. The same tongue that you use to encourage and love your child is the same tongue when used in anger that can make them feel like they can't do anything right and that they have to work for your affection. I'll take it a step deeper. The same tongue that you use to pray for and do the interview for that job is the same tongue that you use to slander and gossip and complain and, and be negative about the job that you have that makes you no longer want to work there or deal with the people that are around you. Life and death come from the power of the tongue, and much of it is fueled by anger. But not only is anger dangerous for these reasons, but anger is also contagious. Same way fire is. Fire catches and it grows. Your anger can make somebody else who was having a great day angry. Maybe even with you or sometimes against you. Anger is a learned behavior. For all of my parents in here, please know this. Whatever anger that you show in front of your children, whether it's directed at them or someone else that they can see, that's the anger that they are most likely going to emulate and reflect in their own lives. So it's important then that we be sure that we don't show the negative faces of anger. And there are three negative faces of anger. The first type of anger, the first face of anger is spewers who express anger with little to no restraint. Someone that is a spewer believes that anger is necessary. And it's the type of anger that can make you uh, unpleasant and sometimes even uh, unsafe person to be around. I want to read off here some characteristics of what a spewer does. A spewer can be someone 
that is seen as either an exploding bomb like a grenade or a calculated time bomb. They express their anger because it gives them a false sense of power and control. It helps them release pent-up negative emotions. They feel they are unable to constrain or control their anger, which is just poor impulse control. They are overly opinionated. They yell and show aggression. They forcefully uh, become demanding and repetitive. They have strained relationships, tremendous regrets, and unconsciously give themselves permission to be this way. And the number one thing you see with a lot of people that are spewers is that they will say to themselves that someone made them angry. Now, real quick, I need to make a commercial. It's important that everybody here understand that no one makes you angry. You are always in full control of your emotions. Can I be real in here just for a second? There might have been some couples in here that were arguing in the car on the way here, but the second you got out the car, everything was, oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm just blessed and highly favored because of the Savior, praise God. There may have been some people that got in an argument before guests came over and you try to fake it there too, which never works, by the way, because everybody can always sense when people have been arguing before. Can I get an amen about that just real? All right, thank you. And the number one way that a lot of people show that they control anger is there are times when you'll be in an argument, maybe with your spouse, maybe at your kid, maybe just ranting about whatever, and you'll get a phone call and you'll pick up the phone call and your anger will go right away. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, it's great to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. I can bring a casserole. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. Yeah, I can uh, do the prayer for the service. No problem. All right. God bless. Take care. And then you go right back into your argument. We have control over our anger. But back to what I'm saying now with the spewer. The spewer allows their anger to control them and to let them say and do whatever they want, which is why being a spewer can be considered the most aggressive and dangerous form of anger. Because that's the person that usually has no problem pushing in a conversation, shoving in a conversation, raising their hand to someone in a conversation, being violent. But maybe if that person isn't physically violent, still a spewer will be able to say the most disrespectful, belittling, tactless, and, and blunt things to somebody. And many times it's even someone that they care for. It's the symptoms of a spewer. And the biggest misconception about spewers is that it is considered a sign of strength to many people. To a lot of people, to be a strong man is to be a spewer. To be a certain woman of a certain background or ethnicity, it's good to be a spewer because you're the type of woman that no one's supposed to be messing with. But this aspect of spewing, what we see in culture as strength, God views as a lack of self-control. He says this in Proverbs 29, verse 11. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Proverbs 14, 17 says this, that a quick-tempered person does foolish things, and the one who devises evil schemes is hated. What many people view as strength and spewing your anger, God views it as someone actually having the characteristics of a fool. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your degree. It is the characteristic of a fool to behave that way in anger. 
But how do you know for sure then that you are someone that struggles with the spewing anger? Well, I'm happy that you asked. And I have 10 statements to ask yourself if you are a spewer. Before I read these statements that you can figure out whether you're a spewer or not, I need to say this. With the subject of anger, it is very easy for you to hear things like this and for you to be like, oh, man, I can't wait for such and such to hear this message. They are going to get their lives together this Sunday. I cannot wait. But... But instead of having that thought in your mind, stay focused on what God may be trying to tell you in this moment. So as I say these statements, ask yourself, are any of these true about me? And if five or more of these things are true, then that means that is the face of anger that you deal with. So let's start now. I'm going to blaze through these for the sake of time. First one, I can be blunt and forceful when someone does something to frustrate me. As I speak my convictions, my voice becomes louder. When someone calls me out on a problem, I'm likely to respond with a ready rebuttal. No one has to question my opinion because I always give unwavering advice. When, someone goes wrong, when something goes wrong, I am so focused on the solution, I overlook people's opinion. I have a history of getting caught in arguments with family members. During verbal arguments with someone, I tend to repeat myself to make the point. I find it hard to keep my thoughts to myself and when, some, and when I know something is wrong. I have a reputation of being strong-willed. I have the tendency to give my advice even when others have not asked for it. If five or more of those things were true about you, then you may struggle with being a spewer. But that's not where you have to stay. We're going to talk about ways that you could be delivered, but there's still two other faces that we need to talk about. And the second one that we're going to talk about right now is the stuffer. And the stuffer is someone who either represses or they suppress their anger. The person that is a stuffer believes that anger is wrong. So I want to read the characteristics of how you can see that. They many times are worried about how being rejected by others because of their anger. They feel that they may lose control. They feel guilty when expressing anger. They feel that even God may be angry at them for showing off anger. So when they are angry, instead of them expressing it, what they'll do is they'll grow silent They'll withdraw, they'll stop talking to the offender, and they'll continue to pretend that everything is okay. And the worst part about the person that has a stuffer type of mentality when it comes to anger is that it is usually one of the quickest ways for them to deal with issues with their physical body over anger. They may start to deal with health problems like headaches, uh, ulcers, uh, uh, sleep depravity, and even worse, depression. Now, don't get me wrong, depression is a clinical thing for many people. It's a, it's a, it's a psychological thing for many people. But for almost 70% of a, a, a depression that people suffer with, all it is in reality is just anger that's been turned inward. And scripture warns us about this. Psalms 32 verse 3 says this, When I kept silent, in my anger is what he's referring to. My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. If anger is a fire, if you are a stuffer, you are burning yourself alive from the inside out. But how do you know then if you're a stuffer? I have 10 statements to ask yourself so you can know that as well. 
So we're going to go ahead and read them now. I am a very image cautious person and don't like others to know my problems. Even when frustrated, I display myself as having it all together. I am rather reserved about sharing my problems and frustrations. If a family member or friend upsets me, I can let days go by without ever mentioning it. I have a tendency to be depressed and moody. That doesn't mean that's who you are, but it happens. Resentful thinking is common to me, although most people would never expect it. I deal with physical ailments like headaches, stomach problems, and sleep irregularity. I wonder if my opinions or preferences are really valid. Sometimes I feel paralyzed when confronted about an unwanted situation, and I feel guilty a lot of times about little things, especially when someone is mad at me. This sin, this issue of anger is unhealthy because, like I said before, anger is not a sin. God says it is okay to be angry. In fact, in times, he says it's a commandment to be angry. And this is a negative face of anger because not only are you doing what God has not made you to be, but you're hurting yourself in the process. But that's only the second face of negative anger. The third face of negative anger is a leaker. But we know a leaker by a different term, a passive aggressive person about anger. Someone who, is a, someone who is a leaker believes that showing anger is wrong. So instead of them doing what the stuffer does and repressing it and not allowing it to come out, by the way, many people that are stuffers will suppress their uh, anger for so long that it causes for them to explode sometimes and do things in rage and in fury that many people would have never saw coming. And that is, once again, the category of a stuffer. But back to the leaker, instead of a leaker doing what the stuffer does and suppressing that anger, they find small opportunities to let that anger out at the person that offended them. So here are the characteristics now about a leaker. A leaker is someone that starts to become sarcastic, negative, procrastinate, have critical remarks. This person doesn't like to show anger for the same reason of the stuffer, but they decide to find indirect ways of letting that anger out, like I said before. You know someone is a leaker when they start to procrastinate when you ask them to do something or they begin to start doing things half-heartedly. They feel a sense of power through this form of anger. They start to aggravate the people around them because of the way that they're acting. They become isolated. isolated. And if they're in a marriage relationship or a physical relationship with someone, they'll suddenly become frigid. A passive-aggressive person falls into the idea that someone is supposed to read their minds. So instead of communicating, someone is guilty out there. So instead of communicating what it is that they like and don't like or want and don't want, they just grow upset and express that frustration to whomever it was that offended them, confusing that offender. The leaker, in a sense, is just as bad as the spewer because instead of them being honest or handling it honestly with their anger in a controlled way they instead find opportunities to create war and division with that person that they're angry against christ has called us in matthew 5 9 to be peacemakers leakers carry on the characteristics of almost a general in warfare 
not only creating division between the person that offended them, but finding opportunities to lay an attack. So how do you know then if you are a leaker? 10 statements to ask yourself. When I'm frustrated, I become silent knowing it bothers other people. I'm prone to sulk and pout. When I don't want to do something, I will procrastinate and be lazy. When someone asks me if I was frustrated, I would lie and say everything is fine. There are times when I am deliberately evasive so others won't bother me. I approach work projects half-heartedly. When someone talks to me about my problems, I stare straight ahead being deliberately obstinate. I'm often sarcastic and hide my real hurts. I withdraw affection and become frigid when hurt. And I forget to do things for people when they've wounded me. If five or more of those things describe you, you struggle with being a leaker. Now, let me say this as well for everybody in the room. You might have gone through all of these and it was like, oh, shoot. Like, I'm a, I had five for spewer. I had four for leaker. I had, you know, six for, you know, stuffer. I don't know what I am. Please know you can have more than one way of showing anger. You definitely have a primary one, but many of us can sometimes have more than just one way of expressing our anger. And with these three negative faces of anger, and we know why through scripture that these things are a problem, how then do we fix it? James 1, 19 to 20 gives us this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We already know that the anger that we display can sometimes create conflicts with people. So how do we follow this three-step process in order to avoid anger? First thing that we do is this. We have reason over emotion, which is us being quick to listen. Famous neuroscientist Jill Taylor made this discovery and talked about this in one of her books. When the amygdala in our brain is triggered, and the amygdala is the part of the brain that starts anger, it releases adrenaline that floods through our bodies, but it dissipates within 90 seconds. If one remains angry after those 90 seconds have passed, it's because they have chosen to keep that neural circuit in their brain running. Many of us would do ourselves a favor off the bat tonight by just waiting 90 seconds before we say anything out of anger, before we do anything out of anger, because if we are still angry after that 90 seconds, there's something bigger here than whatever that situation was before. Many of us can get angry about something and we end up lashing out in that moment and it's a problem. But if many of us waited just 90 seconds, it would go away, we'd be over it onto the next thing. But if that anger is still there after 90 seconds, then the anger is trying to tell us something that we need to listen to and understand why it is that we are still angry. There are three primary reasons why we hold on to anger. First is hurt, which is a real or perceived unmet 
needs. It is when we want attention or affection, honor, or maybe an opportunity or money of some sort that didn't come to us but went to somebody else. Now, real quick, let me say this as well. When I was younger, I had an accident. I was running in the house, and you're not supposed to run around the house, and I ended up getting one of my fingers stuck in a door hinge that was closing very painful. They had to wrap it up and, and, and be sure that it didn't get infected or anything. But, and I remember I would go about my life and when someone would hit it or I would end up knocking it against somebody, my reaction at that young age was, ow, you hurt me. But it wasn't that that person actually hurt me. There was already a hurt there that they happened to touch on. Many of us have been hurting way longer than 90 seconds. Some of us have been hurting for our whole lives over a situation. It might have been towards a parent, whether they were not present in our lives or they mistreated us. It might have been someone who was supposed to be an authority figure, someone that we could look up to that spoke down about us and discouraged us. It might even have been a spouse. It might even have been some type of situation. But it might even, even if, if we could be honest in here, it might even be God himself that we were hoping was going to bring some type of breakthrough or miracle in our lives that didn't happen, but someone else we knew got it. And because of that hurt, we've allowed ourselves so long to live in that pain. And that pain is bringing about anger constantly. But there's more than just hurt that brings about anger. It's also frustration, which is a real or perceived unmet expectation. You have expectancies for your spouse on how they're supposed to love you. You have expectancies on how your kids are supposed to behave in, are supposed to behave in public. You have expectancies on how you're supposed to be treated at work. And when those things don't happen, you get upset. The next thing. It's insecurity, which is a real or perceived attack on your self-worth. Have you ever been in an argument before and the person arguing starts saying, maybe you weren't in the argument, maybe you saw an argument, and the person in the argument starts saying, don't you know where I'm from? Don't you know who my family is? Don't you know how much money I make? That's rooted in insecurity. The person in that argument is trying to show validation for who they are. And whatever made them angry made them question what it is that they stand for, who it is they are as a person. And from that, anger showed up. Anger is not just a neutral emotion. Anger is like an indicator on your dashboard letting you know that something is wrong under the hood. So we need to be sure that if our anger is lasting longer than 90 seconds, we look under that hood and see why it is, am I feeling this way, and what can I do to fix it? The second thing that we need to do is we need to be humble in heart-to-heart -heart conversations, which is us being slow to speak. I heard a pastor say this just the other day. He said that the key to majority of the world's problems is pride. If we had just a little bit more humility in conversations about policies, if we had just a little bit more humility in conversations about racial issues or gender equality, we would probably have the solution to majority of the things that we're in conflict about right now. 
And if that is true about things outside of the world, how much true is that in the home? Many of us can be so quick to just get upset and just speak whatever is on our mind. Proverbs 10, 19 says this, that too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. This, the scriptures is gangster sometimes. I told y'all. Proverbs 29, 20 says this, do you see someone who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Many times we'll start an argument just trying to clear our point, and by the end of the argument, we've called that person every name that we can think of. We've brought up past issues that they've struggled with, and instead of us finding solutions, all we've caused is a severe rupture in that relationship. Being slow to speak makes us think about what am I about to say, and how is this going to affect the person that's hearing me? How do I not just speak my anger? Because we're supposed to speak my, we're supposed to share why it is that we're angry that's healthy. But how do I do this in a way out of not just reaction, but out of reflection of what's happening in my heart? So one of the ways that I wanted to help anybody in here with that today who may struggle with having that slow to speak type of issue, in your Valley app today, and we'll probably post it online this weekend, we have the fair fight rules. And it's something that you can download, it's something that you can print, you can put it on your refrigerator or wherever that you can be reminded of it. And it's a way for you to develop rules, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with your roommate, whether it's with someone in your family, that says, listen, if we're going to argue, these are the rules of how we're going to argue. And this is how we make sure that by the end of the conversation, we end up better than we were when we started. Ways of us being sure that we are slow to speak. And three, we need to be sure that we reduce stress. And that is us. Reduce stress triggers, which is us being slow to become angry. I don't think everybody in here is an angry person. I know many of you and I love many of you, all of you in here and, and I think you're great people. But let's be honest, there are certain times in the day, there are certain things that may happen to us where we're just a little bit more irritable than we usually are. So in us being slow to become angry, we need to reduce those stress triggers that may be in our lives. So I wrote down some ways that we can reduce those stress triggers. First, we need to eliminate hurry. There's a lot of us in here that just need to learn how to become more patient. And there's also some people in here, if I could be honest as your pastor, you just need to start maturing and leave for stuff on time or be early to things. It's okay to be early to things. But the more you do that, the less you have to live in a life of hurry, which can bring about anger. Next is downsize expectations. And downsizing expectations doesn't mean you don't have good expectations. I'm saying have great expectations, but also have an attitude that shows gratitude and don't just be so entitled. Two years ago, me and a group of other people went to Haiti, which is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Many of you, uh, and I would ask that many of you continue to have Haiti in your prayers because it was devastated by Hurricane Matthew. But when we were there two years ago, we were in a village called Circadi. Circadi had no power. Circadi had no clean running water. It had no good food for us to eat. 
This was how bad Circuit D was. When we got there in our Jeeps, there was a deflated soccer ball in the back of the Jeep. One of the boys found the deflated soccer ball, no air in it whatsoever, and they played a soccer game all day with the deflated soccer ball. So when we got clean water in Circadi, we praised the Lord because we found clean water. When we got food that was edible, we praised God because we got food that was edible. When each and every person woke up and we checked to be sure that we didn't have a mosquito bite that carried malaria or Ebola or Zika or whatever was the disease of that year, we praised the Lord because we had life and we had each other. And I'm not saying, once again, that we shouldn't have low standards of things, but many of us need to understand that the same things that I was grateful for in Haiti is the same things that we should all be grateful for here in the United States of America. And the more we show an attitude of gratitude, the less likely we are to become easily angered when something doesn't go our way. The next thing we need to do is we need to admit mistakes and imperfections. You know, the more you try to portray yourself as someone who does nothing wrong, the more sensitive you'll be when someone sees past that facade. Let yourself be human. If you forget something, just tell somebody, I forget. Don't be like, oh, man, I was so busy and I got caught up. I'm so sorry. Just say you forgot. It's okay. That person will not hate you for it. I hope not after this message be honest when you're tired if you don't want to do something just say hey listen maybe another time but I'm not there for it because the more you do things out of the idea of you being some type of superhuman the more you start having more resentment towards the things that you do for people the next thing is you just need to laugh more don't take yourself so seriously next after that you need to take care of yourselves and let me say this as your pastor, and I say this in love. Many of us in here need to start eating better. We need to start sleeping more. We need to start exercising. And I'm not saying that in the sense of you trying to have some image of health. health. But what I am saying is that the more you take care of your body, the better you're just going to feel about yourself. The better you're going to be able to interact with other people and even think and process things. It's a way of reducing stress in your life. And last but not least, know what triggers make you angry and halt, which is stop whenever you are hungry, annoyed, lonely, or tired. I know myself, and I know when I am hungry, I am not the greatest pastor you have ever met. I'm just going to be honest. My wife knows anytime I just seem a little bit more irritated, she's like, oh my goodness, get him a Snickers or something. <laughs> Clearly he's hungry. But maybe for you it's something different. And the better you know yourself, the better you could be like, you know what, I can't have this conversation right now. I'm a little bit too tired. I can't handle this well. I'm going to back up. Or whatever one of the things in Holt is. But my time is up today. And before I finish, I want to ask you this last question as we close out this series. And that's this. Is anger creating madness in your life? A lot of us have allowed anger to, as a fire, to consume us, to consume the people that we care for. 
and it's caused more regret and resentment than we could have ever imagined. But through the power of Jesus Christ, we can live in the newness of life that he has to offer each and every one of us. And instead of having the negative faces of anger, of a spewer, of a stuffer, or a leaker, we can have the righteous and indignant anger that God has called us to have. Church, let me say this one more time. Being angry is normal. Do not allow yourself to leave here and think that you should not be angry, but be sure that your anger is something that is honorable in the sight of the Lord and causes to build more bridges than burn them. So with that said, let me pray for you now. God, I thank you for each and every person that is here today. And Father, if there is someone that is struggling with anger, or maybe they realize that they have a face of anger that is negative, I pray, Lord, that you first bring healing in their life to whatever hurts that they may be feeling. That you, Father God, bring restoration and that you give them a conviction in their heart, whether it's with the person that they are married to, dating, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a loved one of any sort, whether it's someone at their job, that it be someone that they can show love to continuously through that anger. And Father, we know that you've been angry at many things, but we pray that we model the type of anger that you showed, one that brought no sin, one that brought no division, but instead through that love brought about more love and salvation than the world could have ever known. Father, thank you for your example, and thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to change from these things today. And we believe that this is done now in Jesus' name. Amen.